Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your bill's big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. Hello everybody and welcome back here for the third installment of the Delco Baseball Now Show. My name is Brennan Ricciardi. I'm here in Westchester, Pennsylvania, getting ready for a nice, relaxing holiday weekend. You know, it's funny when you think about uh, having the, the weekend off from work. You know, my, my work this summer is working in the Delco League. So my, you know, my work schedule basically goes off of what the, you know, the current games are. And we are off from, I'm recording this on Friday morning, so we're off from Thursday night to Tuesday. So I kind of get a nice, uh, nice four-day weekend here, and uh, get a little bit of a, a quick break, you know, from from baseball. That's not Philadelphia Phillies baseball for a little bit, just before we get into this stretch run. What will be a very busy July and uh, early start to the month of August. But we got a really good episode for you today. I really had a good time with this interview. We're gonna have in a little bit after we talk about some Delco League. We got Nate Furman coming on the show, current second baseman at UNC Charlotte, played his high school baseball at Bonner, and most importantly to me is he played his Little League baseball at Media Little League, which is where I played as well, and that's how we first met, and uh, our brothers, you know, all used to play together, and it was a really good time getting to catch up with him. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, watching him throughout the years, just keep getting better and better every year. Two older brothers, Steve played at Iona, Dan played at Pitt, you know, it's just, it's a great baseball family, and we got a lot of those in Delaware County here, so... We will get to that in a little bit, but first, let's get into the past few days of Delco League Baseball. So since we last spoke on the program here, we've had a couple games since then. Uh, the biggest one in terms of you know the landscape of the season, is Wayne lost their first game of the year on Wednesday night at Aston Valley. It was the team that knocked them out of the playoffs in 2021. It's the first loss that they've had since that day. Started the season 11-0 with a bunch of just ridiculous comeback wins scattered throughout there. There was a game where they trailed by 11 runs, and in one inning, before they recorded a single out, they scored 11 runs to tie the game and ended up winning. So just a great winning streak that deserves the recognition there. But Aston Valley was one better on Wednesday night. They had Kyle Maxwell from Wilmington on the mound. He started the game. Roman Tazi came in. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I apologize. I don't really know him very well if it's Tozzi or Tazi. I believe it's Tazi. But he he threw three shutout innings to be able to lock this one down for Aston. Sean Hout, three big RBIs, a nice opposite field double. He was a guy that when I was with Upper Darby last year, he killed us in the finals. He had a three-run triple 
uh, in a game, I believe it was game two, that it, they were down to their final out, and he, you know, if it wasn't for Sammy Berman with a, a clutch hit in the bottom of the seventh, you know, that was, you know, that was a game that they would have gone two up on, two zero up on against us, and you know, he's one of the many Wilmington players that is on this team, which is obviously something that's perennial. You know, they they do it every year, whether it's Wilmington, whether it's Delaware, whether it's Goldie Beacom, you know, they're always having their guys from there. And they were able to win this one six to five. So that was a nice win for an Aston Valley team that I don't want to say they're rebuilding because there's a lot of the same guys, but they they're retooling because they lost a lot of guys from the team last year that made it all the way to game five of the finals. And they're kind of trying to figure out who of their their new guys are going to be the ones that are going to be the regulars because they have some of the returning guys like like Sean, like Brett Lesher. Kyle Maxwell was in the rotation a lot last year. And what we learned through the Delco League season is the first half of the year in terms of players and stuff is important, but it's not the end of the world. Because in a league where you only need six appearances in 24 games to be eligible for the playoffs, you don't necessarily have to be you know, someone that was there the entire regular season. Like you think about Chris Murphy last year. He didn't come in until the latter half of the season, got his appearances in, then all of a sudden he's the best pitcher in the league. And I think that we're, we're starting to see teams, you know, trying to get these these pickups in and these guys that are able to kind of contribute to the stretch run. You know, it's a league where six out of the seven teams make the playoffs, so everybody's got a shot once it gets down to it. All right, moving on to the other game here. We have the first half of a home-and-home. Home. We had the Upper Derby Blue Sox taking on the Narberth Mudcats at the playground, one of the most, I guess, interesting fields in Delaware County because it's a short porch and left. There's a basketball court way deep in right field that, personally, I've never seen anyone hit one two, but I'm sure it's possible. Then there's a brick wall that's almost in fair territory. There's trees that I think are in fair territory. So it's it's definitely a bizarre field to play at. It's a nice place to watch the game from behind the plate. But that was an 11-2 win for Upper Derby. They got a grand slam off the bat of Max Anastasio. Uh, third baseman for the Blue Sox. It was his first of the year. He had a couple last season as well. But, you know, the the real difference for this one for Upper Darby was the pitching because they had a combination of two kids that are going to the PSAC next year, as we were talking about in the last episode. A lot of youth that is going into the Delco League right now. So we had Michael Costello, recent graduate from Pencrest High School. He'll be going to Millersville University uh, to play his college baseball in the fall. He was absolutely dominant. He had four innings pitched, he did not allow a single hit, and he did not allow a single run while picking up six strikeouts. He was a walk away from having four perfect innings, and, you know, it's it's impressive to see someone, you know, coming in for one of their early appearances and, and just having that kind of success against a Narberth team that, you know, they have some bats that are coming in. And to add on to that, Johnny Fitzpatrick, another PSAC commit, uh, Westchester University, recent graduate from Friends Central and you know these guys are playing together right now but they're going to be uh, they're going to be rivals in a couple months which is another one of those things that you got to love about the Delco League is is you're going to be playing with guys you're going to be playing against them you know sometimes vice versa from high school and and college and you know these guys allowed just one hit over the course of 7 innings for a Blue Sox team that you know was was coming off of a doubleheader split with Chester and you know trying to trying to start a little streak here and, and they pick up the first of the two games with the Mudcats by a final score of 11 to 2 and you know in terms of trying to just kind of keep this linear I might as well just 
talk about the Upper Darby and Narberth second part of the home and home to get our, our Thursday slate started here. So at this point, Upper Darby sitting at 7-5 and, and Narberth 4-7. and seven. These guys were playing at Cardinal O'Hara on Thursday night. For my, uh, my unbiased opinion here, this might be the game of the year so far. Just going off of Game Changer and kind of what went out through the course of this game. So we had Johnny Gonzalez on the bump for upper derby which means you're gonna get a lot of strikes and you're gonna get a lot of you know balls put in play and you know johnny was good but this game was close until the very end because we had a home run from new addition uh wilfredo mendez jr from chesapeake junior college he had a, a home run in this game and this game was close till the end and what happened a little bit later on this game so fast forward to the bottom of six here josh hankins coming in from coppin state university had a nice ncaa tournament appearance this year he had a three-run bomb he hasn't been here much of the summer just playing in uh, I think it's the ACBL with that Quakertown Blazers team won a championship there back in the Delco League now hits a three-run bomb in the bottom of the sixth to put Upper Darby ahead by score of five to four but the Mudcats wouldn't die because going into the top of seventh with two outs down to their final out Cabrini's Pat Toll punched one into right field to tie the ball game up at five to five and all of a sudden this back-and-forth game was going to either come down to extra innings or it was going to be a walk-off for Upper Darby, and that's exactly what happened because the heart and soul of the Upper Darby Blue Sox, Joey Supa, with a walk-off single right up the middle to give the Blue Sox the home-and-home -home sweep here. Just what an incredible game all around, and Joey Supa knows a, a thing or two about walk-offs. He had two in the playoffs last season, and he's just he's a high-motor guy. You know, He's your franchise player. He's the type of guy that... He's been there for, uh, I believe he said this is his 10th year, maybe 11th year with the team. And, you know, just a, a really good game. And that wraps up the season series for these guys. So you have a, a type of game like this with this type of drama. And then all of a sudden, the next time these two teams would play would be the playoffs if it were to potentially get there. So I'm curious to see, you know, how that type of, uh, you know, type of rivalry grows. And, you know, one pet peeve I have with this league is like every team looks exactly the same in terms of uniforms. I mean, we're playing Wayne and Marple Newtown, which is the next game I'll get into from Thursday night. And bo both teams are wearing black with white writing. So I'm streaming the game and, you know, it's it can be a bit confusing. Uh, that's something, you know, if I was I was commissioner here, I would I would change that. I think I, I'll go on the record. I've said this a million times. Wayne should wear the white jerseys with the black pinstripes every single game. I don't care if we're home or away. I, I don't mind the black jerseys. I think they're okay. Uh, maybe wear them if we're, you know, playing a team that wears light jerseys. But, you know, it, it can be a bit confusing. Then you got Narberth and Upper Darby both wearing navy blue. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's just my two cents here. But now that we're on the topic of it, let's get into that Wayne versus Marple Newtown game. It's a really good game. And, you know, you look at what the records were going into the game, and that doesn't tell the whole story. Marple Newtown, 0-8-1, still looking for their first win of the season. Then you got a team like Wayne that is going into the, off their first loss. They, they were 11-0, lost the night before at Aston, and now they're coming in at 11-1. So what happens there? Well, it's a really good pitching matchup because Ant Ely, a uh, Abington High School graduate going to Seton Hall in the fall, he had his fourth start in a Wayne uniform. The first three before were five shutout innings each, all three of them, and he went five innings and allowed just one run this time. It's his first earned run, 20 innings pitched, one earned run, just an unbelievable start to his Delco League career, and the only guy that got him is Corey Woodcock, and Corey Woodcock, a Marple Newtown and Millersville graduate, he was the other pitcher, so he's a guy who can swing, bat, and he can throw, and 
man, on the mound, he was absolutely dicing. I mean, he, when his off-speed pitch is moving, it just has an unbelievable amount of 12-6 break, man. He had a couple of strikeout lookings where even his off-speed pitch, he's got some zip on it. He doesn't slow anything down. He's got a pretty good changeup too, but it's like, you know, his fastball was humming and the off-speed pitch, you know, there's a lot of guys on our team that were just taking it because we thought it was high. And the last second, it would just jump right back down into the zone. So really impressive performance from him. He went six innings, six strikeouts, and it was a really good pitcher's duel. Joe Peluso came in for Wayne to uh, to relieve, and Wayne took this one by a score four to two because Stephen Wells had an absolutely titanic home run down the right field line. And I love Wells has this this little bat flip. It's it's nothing too cocky. He swings as a lefty, turns right back to our dugout with his left hand, just kind of flicks it. Nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing too obnoxious. He's, you know, he's a former uh, professional baseball player, so he's been here before. But it was a really good game, and it was also funny to see that Cam Mathis has been one of our our best pitchers for Wayne this year. But you know, we're we're running low on guys. I would go out there with a broken ankle and torn ligaments uh, if my mother would let me. But if we're being honest, I didn't really have much range at first before. So I, I think I actually could uh, hold it down if needed. I could always get that bunt down. Slip me in DH. You know, I'm probably not beating it out at first anyway. So at the end of the day, I'm getting it done. But we're, uh, you know, we're, we're running low on guys. You guys know how it is with the Delco League season where people go on vacation. You know, people are hurt. People have work. Like, it's it can be a grind. And that regular season is one of the, the reasons why, you know, guys like me last year with Upper Derby, you know, you're on a really good roster. And there are times where, you know, really good baseball players are on the bench. And that's just how it goes. And coming to those games where nobody else wants to, to, you know, to put it, to put it bluntly are how you get into the roster and how you get into the lineup and, and show everybody that, you know, that you're committed. And, you know, that's, that's important for the clubhouse here, but it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a low scoring game. Jay Starnish for Wayne, he was three for four, Luke Mutz, two for four, nice rebound from, uh, from a little bit of a, if you want to call it a skid from his own perspective, but yeah, it was, it was a close game up until the end. Bottom of the seventh, they uh, Marple Newtown had the tying run on first base, and you know Joe Peluso was able to get out of it. So it was, it was a really close game, and I do feel for the guys on that Marple team because they are starting to play a lot better. That was a very good game. They have a lot of new young guys. They just got Ryan Getz and Cole Donnelly from the Haverford School, and and like I, I feel myself saying it every day. You know, the the really good high school baseball players are realizing that they can stay at home, they can play in this league, and you know. If like we were talking about with Joe Martin yesterday, when when you have these guys that are already committed and they get the the chance to play against really smart hitters in the Delco League, like guys like Stephen Wells that have played pro ball, guys like Dan Williams, Luke Mutz, you know, really, really smart baseball players is is going to make you better. All right, so that wraps up the two game slate here. We'll just give a quick standings update here of the Delco League before we get into this interview here. Sitting at the top, we got Wayne. They are currently at 12-1. and one. Like we said, that one loss at Aston Valley, but they are still a couple games ahead of second place. And at the current moment, second place is the Springfield Colonials. They leapfrogged the Upper Derby Blue Sox. They took three games from them recently, and that's really going to help in their favor, not just in terms of getting that bye week. Uh, for those who don't know the, the playoffs for Delco League, think what the old NFL playoffs used to be. You have the top two teams get a bye week, three plays six, four plays five, and then you go from there. So getting that bye week is important because that first round best of three series, it can really be 
detrimental to you if the pitching's not there. Because if you run into a team with two really you know dominant pitchers, you're in trouble. And once you make the semifinal, it's a best of five series. And that's really a better way to know who has the best team from top to bottom. That's you know, that's how those series get tested, and that's that's what really shows who the champion is, who has the best roster where every single person needs to contribute. All right, Upper Darby. Blue Sox coming in third place. They're right behind Springfield. They're eight and five, just a half game back. Like we said, they've already lost that season series to Springfield. So if they want to finish ahead of them, they're gonna to have to have a better record from them outright. And they they don't have an easy schedule ahead of them coming up, but you know, they still have just under half of their their regular season left, eleven games left to kind of try and, you know, put things all together and and try and bring that championship trophy back and leave it in uh, Upper Derby for a second straight year. All right, coming in at fourth place here, we got the Aston Valley Knights coming off of a bit of a slow start here. They're starting to get their guys back. One of the things that comes with a lot of the young guys being in this league is senior week. Senior week is a big deal for, you know, for every single kid here that is able to make it if they don't have, you know, worker or a different team they're playing for or something like that where that's a that's that can be three or four game chunk right there and we're seeing guys kind of starting to come back and and fill out the rosters and Aston Valley with a big win over Wayne to go into the the holiday break they're sitting at 4-5 and 1 right in the middle of things that second spot as of right now is wide open and not to say that the first one isn't as well but you know every team is four games back right now and we're running out of time here so as of right now there's you know that that first round bye is is right there for the taking. So Aston sits at four, five, and one. Next up we got Chester sitting at four, eight, and two. They're just slightly ahead of Narberth at four and eight, just because of the way that the point system works. But those guys take the five and six spot and then we'll wrap it up with Marple Newtown. Still looking for that first win of the season, but they're trending in the right direction. And they got a consistent group of guys that's starting to come and, and that's really how you turn the corner here. All right, with that Delco League action wrapped up, we're gonna get into our interview here. So let's welcome on Nate Furman. All right, we are now joined by Nate Furman, second baseman for UNC Charlotte and a graduate of Monsignor Bonner High School in Drexel Hill. Nate, thanks for taking the time to come on today. How are we feeling? Yeah, dude, appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited to talk some baseball, talk some Delco. Uh, so whatever you got, I'm here for. Yeah, of course. You know, I first wanted to start off by congratulating you on both you know, from a personal and from a team standpoint on just another incredible year. You know, it's, it's really great to see all the success you guys are having. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, uh, you know, it's we got a, a great group of guys down in Charlotte. Um, it's been it's been just a, a dream of mine uh, to be able to play at a, at a school like that. Um, so the last two years have been a blast. Um, and, you know, it's just it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, at the end of the day, it's really always about the teammates that really make, you know, make your experience. And I'm curious, what was it that drew you to Charlotte while you were in high school and, you know, kind of made it stand out compared to some of the other schools that were recruiting you? Um, I think it was, uh, it was, you know, when I, when I got on campus, I just fell in love. Um, everything about it, the, the city, uh, the campus, the tradition, um, really just everything, you know, and then 
the baseball side was just a no-brainer. Uh, it was really just the coaching staff, unbelievable. Um, so just fortunate to to have been able to have the opportunity to to compete. And, um, you know, it's just – it's been a blessing every day. Yeah, that's awesome. So you are currently up in the Cape Cod League, one of the premier college baseball summer leagues in the country, playing for the Orleans Firebirds. So how's that whole experience been so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, I've always – it's always been a, a goal of mine to, uh, you know, to be able to play up here. Uh, you know, growing up, it's you hear so many great things about the Cape Cod League, and um, you know, it's it's definitely uh, lived up to the hype. Uh, being up here, it's so cool. The uh, the crowds are unbelievable, um, and just the the talent that that is here. Um, you know, getting to play with with guys from all around the country. Um, so it's really been awesome. Just fortunate enough to be up here and, and, uh, be able to play ball with, with some of the best in the country. So it's been cool. You know, one thing that I was really curious about, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on this was, can you take us through what a normal game day would look like? Because I'm curious and I want everyone else to kind of hear the time commitment that you guys are giving up to make this happen. Yeah, I I would say it's not, um, the first thing I would say, it's not your, your average summer league. Uh, you know, like, like, at, you know, usually summer league, you're kind of just on your own, uh, doing your, doing your thing and then show up hit BP and, and then kind of get ready for the game. Uh, it's a little bit different here. Uh, so for instance, last night we had a six thirty start. Um, so we met at the field around like probably one forty-five. um, two we had mental skills training. Uh, with our mental skills coach, which is awesome. Um, and then we we got into team stretch, BP, um, all the whole nine yards, and then we took IO, which is which is not usually um, – doesn't usually happen in summer ball. Like, you know, just in college, you were so used to taking IO. And then once you, once you get to summer ball, it's like, okay, no IO, but uh, uh, not here. So it's – it's um, everything is just professional. So it's it's been – uh, it's been great, you know, trying to get lifts in in the morning um, while still trying to keep on weight, eat enough food. So uh, it's definitely a time commitment, but it's, you know, it's what anybody could ask for, you know, so it's been great. That's interesting that they give you guys the mental skills coach. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of things they help you work on? Because I feel like that's something where you don't really get until, you know, you make it up to the higher you know, elite levels of baseball. So what's that kind of process like? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, a lot of visual visualization, um, and breathing techniques. And it's really cool to, to be able to have someone that is, um, so, so involved and so skilled in that area. Um, cause especially in baseball, you know, baseball, the, the mental skills training and, the mental health side of the game, it's, it's really, um, taking off. Uh, you know, you see coaches in being hired in pro ball, you know, mental skills coach, uh, which I think is so cool. And, uh, like he talks about every day, it's, uh, you know, with guys being up here, everybody has talent and it's, you know, you're surrounded by guys that, that are gifted and, and that have, that have reached the highest level of the college game. And you're just looking for that 1%, um, you know, getting that 1% on somebody. So we're taking that as, you know, kind of 
getting that 1% on the mental side of the game. So uh, different breathing techniques have been awesome uh, and little stuff like that that can go a long way. Yeah, dude, I don't think people who, you know, never really played baseball understand how much failure there is. You know, the old cliche is like three out of 10 times you're going to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, my freshman year at Brandywine, I got eaten alive by that because, you know, a lot of guys that are playing college baseball are one of the better players on the field in high school. And you have to place where everybody's like that. You know, it can it can start to eat you alive if you aren't getting the success you're used to. And, you know, it's good that they're working on that. No doubt. Yeah, it's it. It's especially, you know, what what I one of the things I've seen here is like, you know, get like you're going to fail. Like it's just part of the game. And um, here guys just, just deal with that. You know, it's like everybody, everybody is, is, I wouldn't say all right, but everybody is, they know that they're going to fail. They know that the competition here is really good, but it's, it's taking that failure and just learning, you know, what can I do the next at bat? What can I do the next pitch, next play, um, you know, to just be better. And I think that's, that's the mental, the mental side that I've seen, hear that um you know guys are are really at a high level with so what so no loud helmet slams when when guys are striking out yeah no uh there's been no helmet slamming uh and uh no no loud f-bombs or anything like that so (laughs) yeah i got you all right, so I want to take you back to your high school days for a little bit here because we actually played against each other once. Uh, when you were a freshman at Bonner, I was a senior at Strathaven, and I remember seeing you starting at shortstop, and you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, that's, that's got to be pretty rare, you know, freshman starting varsity shortstop. So I'm curious if you kind of felt any, like, added pressure that, that came with that, especially in a league as competitive as the PCL. Like, did you feel, you know, you had that extra added expectation to perform? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was looking back on that, it was, it was so awesome. Uh, you know, I was a young guy and high school, you know, still still trying to find my way um, and, and being able to to play on varsity with those older guys, you know, it's just different. Um, and looking back, it was such a, a growth experience because, uh, you know, it was intimidating as a freshman, uh, you know, which is natural. But being being at shortstop, um, playing my freshman year really just set me up for the rest of my high school career. So uh, I think there were definitely challenges, uh, you know, ups and downs. I was back and forth between uh, I was at second in the beginning of the year. Um, I remember struggling at the plate my freshman year. Uh, so just little stuff like that that had just helped me grow so much um, and really – there, there were all positives that came from that. Uh, you know, there were some really great guys on that team we had. And, uh, you know, they really helped me get through some some struggles, being a freshman, that kind of thing. Um, so it, looking back on it, it was such a growth experience. And, uh, you know, Coach Coach Joe Debar, Coach Steve Debar, like every time I see them, we talk about it. And uh, I thank them for giving me that opportunity so young to be able to grow um, and be ready for a sophomore, junior and uh and senior year so it's just it was really cool yeah and what an, what an unbelievable season that uh they had this year huh yeah yeah man that it was it was so cool to follow uh you know like we we were playing uh so i was following a little bit from afar but my parents were were following the whole year um and i still stay in touch with those guys a lot throughout the year and 
Uh, it was so much fun to watch them do what they did all year long. Um, I played with some of those guys my junior year and then uh, senior year got cut short because of COVID. But um, it was really just, just so cool to watch that that uh, you know whole season unfold. They had unbelievable talent, but from – just from afar, it sounded like they were they were such a tight knit group, um, which was just so cool to watch. You know, Kevin McGonigal leading the way, Joey Demucci, uh, Mike Anderson, Jackson Kehoe, all those guys. Um, it was really just a blast to to watch them do what they did, um, and to to see some of those coaches' reactions. I saw some videos after the championship. Just to see those reactions are unbelievable. Um, and I, I told those guys I went back before uh, I went back after the season before I came up here. I was like, listen, guys, you did you did something that a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of good baseball players that rolled through here couldn't do. So, um, you know, just cherish that and, and appreciate it. So it was, it was really cool to be able to follow along with those dudes. I'm sure it, it sucked so bad having that senior year lost because of COVID, but it definitely had to help you having that experience playing you know freshman sophomore junior year early to getting early playing time at charlotte right yeah it was you know looking back on it um it it was just crazy how it all unfolded uh you know we talked about the freshman year and uh it felt like i got better every year at bonner which was so important for me um as a growth you know as a player um so just to have those three years and knowing that my senior year got cut short, I remember feeling, uh, you know, and I knew that the season got canceled. I was like, I was like, man, I, I have to be ready to go into Charlotte, you know, as a freshman. And um, so I, I remember leaving, leaving home early and going to play in a summer league in North Carolina, uh, my, my, that summer going into school. So just crazy things, but, but uh, that experience I had the first two years at Bonner um, were unmatched, and looking back on it, so so appreciative of it. So, yeah, and making that that jump from you know high school baseball to Division One is obviously a big transition. So, what would you say were some of the biggest you know adjustments you had to make? Was it the amount of games you played? You know, the strength and conditioning, the time commitment. Like, what were some of the challenges? Uh, I think the biggest adjustment would just be uh, time commitment. You know, I was in high school. I was always one of those guys um, that wanted to be around the field. Uh, you know, I wanted, I always wanted to be doing something baseball. Um, and high school, high school is a little different in the way that you just, you just can't do that. Like you can't go be at the field all day. You can't uh, be in the weight room all day. So when I got to Charlotte, it was. Um, for me, it was just like my mindset was I want to be the first guy there and I want to be the last guy to leave every day. Um, so I kind of took I kind of took that route, um, you know, like just the, the hardest working guy in the locker room. Um, and I, I would say the time commitment was a big adjustment, but also the, the physical side. Like I I had to get stronger. I had to clean up my game. Um, so just just little things all around. It was a huge adjustment. Uh, you know, I still talk to my coaches uh, at school about it, like just the growth that I've had from freshman year um, to now. It was it's just unbelievable. But 
I look back at it, and if I was, if I didn't take the route of being the first guy there and the last guy to leave, I just I might have been middle of the pack, and you know, just got lost in the fold. So, uh, you know, looking back on that, it's just it's crazy how things work out. So during that freshman season at Charlotte, you guys made it all the way to the NCAA tournaments. What was that like? Oh, it was awesome. It was so cool. It was, uh, you know, we had a great year. We had a great group of guys. Um, and co- it was Coach Woodard's first full season. So had, being able to do what we did, um, you know, with with the whole coaching staff's uh, first full season, uh, you know, looking back, it was just unbelievable. We played at uh, East Carolina in the regional, and the atmosphere was was unbelievable. It was unmatched. Um, my family was able to be there, so it it was one of one of the best experiences I've had on a baseball field. Um, I remember looking up. We were playing East Carolina on Saturday night at six o'clock, so it was the primetime game in the regional. Uh, and I remember looking up in like this maybe the second inning. We were facing ECU had a, a future or a guy that turned out to be a first rounder on the mound. So uh, place was packed out. You could not get another seat. I remember looking around like, like, dang, this is this is why you you know you put the work in the off season. This is why you stay late. This is why you get that extra lift in when you don't feel like it. Um, so it was it was so cool, man. It was really a, a amazing experience. Yeah, I was following along during that run because my roommate Ian's uh, one of his best friends is Tom Caulfield, an infielder for that team. So it was funny that you guys went to ECU last year, and then this year Coppin State, which is two Delco guys, Josh Hanks and Darren Hagan, and then Virginia is going to ECU, which is Chris Newell and Justin Rubin. So you know, it's funny to to kind of follow that that whole thing. One thing I will say is that Carolina loves their baseball. Yeah, no doubt. It's a it's an unmatched atmosphere. Uh, East Carolina does a great job with with getting those fans out um, and being able to play an in state rival in that regional was was so cool. Uh, you know, it made me it made me feel like uh, you know I was a North Carolina native. You know, playing because I was so invested, uh, and it, I'm sure the guys that were from North Carolina on the team felt the same way. And I would feel if, uh, you know, I was playing in Philly and we were playing in state rivals. So, Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, it's funny that for Penn State this year, we played Pitt. And it's like, you know, it may still be club baseball, but, like, these schools still hate each other. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to kind of, you know, be in something that's bigger than just sports, too. Yeah, 100%, dude. <laughs> All right, so one thing that I did not realize until – your Charlotte baseball account tweeted it out earlier this year was that you are draft eligible for the 2022 major league baseball draft. So I was curious if you could kind of tell us a little bit about kind of what goes on in the pre-draft process. Like how do major league baseball organizations go about this whole thing? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's really crazy. Um, so I was, I, I had no idea that I was draft eligible this year. Um, and I, I had a, a scout reach out to me at the end of the fall. Um, and we, you know, we were talking and, and he said I was draft eligible and I was like, I was, I, I just had no idea what it even was really. Like I, you know, I would hear some, some guys in the locker room would talk about it, but I was always just focused on, on Charlotte and, uh, you know, doing what I could to help those guys win. And, 
Um, so I, I would say that I, I didn't know really anything about it. Um, you know, I kind of got in the process uh, of talking to some different clubs at the end of the fall. Um, and then going into the season, I kind of just put it, put uh, any thoughts of it on the back burner. Um, so, you know, I played the whole year and, and uh, there's been some stuff come up about it now that the school season's over and up here. So uh, being, being Jeff Dalsborn and being up in the Cape is pretty cool because there's, you know, we're, we're taking BP up here and you walk around the turtle and there's 20 scouts uh, sitting behind the backstop, you know, just taking notes and that kind of thing. So it's definitely cool. Um, and uh, the, you know, in a couple of weeks, the draft, I, I have no idea what will happen, but uh, you know, I've I've just been, I've just been talking to my family. I'm like, listen, guys, like, God has a plan, and if uh, I'd be so pumped to go back to Charlotte, and uh, I'd be so pumped to take it, take uh, my career to the next level. So, just really, just really excited to be in be in this situation, and uh, just pumped to have my family uh, have my back too. It's so cool to have them as as my backbone and uh, be able to lean on them. So we'll see. That's such a great spot to be in where, you know, you love where you're at, but you'd also love to be where you're going. So, you know, if it, if it doesn't go the way you want in the draft this year, you know, you get another chance to go back and be with your boys. So it's, it's, it's really cool to, uh, to be in that type of situation. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's one of those things like if, you know, if, if not, if it, whatever, whatever happens. And, and uh, if I go back to Charlotte, like, just make another push in Omaha. So it's a cool spot to be in for sure. Yeah. College baseball is something else, man. You know, when I always talk to people about like what my favorite baseball experiences is, you know, college baseball is easily taking that top spot. You know, I always thought those, uh, those old days of media little league baseball would be the best, but you know, it's just, it's, it's so different when you're, you know, you're up here, you're living with some of them. Like I live with three guys on my team and you know, it's just, it's a totally different atmosphere. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's one of the best parts too of the teammates. Uh, you know, the bond you create, just like you were saying. You know, your three roommates, like the bond you have with those guys, like you live with them, you go to the field with them, you do everything with them. That bond you just can't really find anywhere else. You know, besides uh, college sports. So it's it's a cool thing for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. So obviously, when I started writing the articles back in the spring, you know, just keeping up with different Delco guys and how they were doing. One thing I noticed when I put out yours was that the Bonner baseball community is crazy about each other and just supporting each other and just growing, you know, the brand of Bonner baseball. So I was curious how it kind of felt to have, you know, that type of community, not just with Bonner baseball, but kind of Delco in general, you know, behind you and supporting you. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, you know, it, with, with uh, my brothers playing before me, uh, I remember going to to their games all around Delco. Like I would be carrying around my little baseball bat, throw it up, throw the ball up to myself to hit if a, if a dad was too busy watching the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool for sure. Like people, everybody in Delco that you know I'm still in touch with. They the support is is on waiver, um, and the the support from the people at Bonner too. I had. I had a blast all four years, um, and it's really cool to be able to come back and, um, you know, after after the season or during break, and and be able to see people. And it's like it's like, dang, this feels good. You know, it's it makes you feel good about uh, being able to go away to school 
um, and still come back and still have the support from, from all the people back home. So it's cool for sure. All right, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck in hopefully hearing your name called in the draft this summer. But I know no matter what, you know, you'll be happy with uh, wherever you end up. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on today and uh, keep in touch. Yeah, thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate it, man. All right, thank you once again to Nate Furman for coming on the show today. Give us a little bit of a look inside the life in the Cape Cod, as well as the Division One baseball experience. You know, playing at Bonner, and you know, really good, really good to catch up with him. And uh, we wish him the best of luck going forward. All right, that will bring episode three of the Delco Baseball Now podcast to an end. We're going to take a little bit of a break over this holiday weekend. Not too much going on. Delco League is off from Thursday to Tuesday. Uh, so I'll probably have like a power rankings article, you know, coming out over the weekend. But other than that, we're going to take a little bit of break before we have a bunch of interviews coming next week from guys playing all over. So really looking forward to that. But for anyone that is still listening here, appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us today and we'll see you next time.